I'm Aaron Armstrong. I'm Pete Moran. And we love to watch. We love to watch Tyler Labine be patient zero for any virus, but a monkey one will do. Here we come, walking down the street. We get the funniest looks from everyone we meet. Hey, hey, we're the monkeys, and people say we monkey around. But we're too busy singing to put anybody down. We go where we want to, do what we like to do. We don't have time to get restless, there's always something new. Hey, hey, we're the monkeys, and people say we monkey around, but we're too busy singing. He really just, he's a hes a little little sucker in this movie, isn't he? <laughs> I mean, I, I, I think in my notes it has, like, this is a Tyler Labine role underlined in circles. <laughs> like, he has minimal impact on the plot except to be shit on by the movie's script. And then he's he pathetic He is literally all the way just through. setting up a, a movie he's not going to be in. Basically, yeah. Basically. <laughs> he's, it'd be like if uh, Nick Fury came in, he's like, I want you to get people sick in the next movie. He just came in and, like, <laughs> coughed and fell over and died. They're like, who's this man who died? Um... Yeah, where we love to watch from Movie Pockets. We pick a theme, we do a movie over the course of uh, a month around that theme. And if we remember, we compare and contrast. We're in our first week of what will be a compacted month because we were late getting this one recorded due to some uh, post-quarantine colds and sicknesses. Uh, but we're doing a month of going bananas, uh, which I just decided is the month's name right now. Where Aaron, we're covering monkey business. Hey, 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 Bozo or Bobo. <laughs> Bobo the gorilla? Is that what it was? Bozo's Bobo clown. Damn it! Bobo's gorilla. <laughs> Already fucked it up. Uh, which one annoyed Ronald Reagan? Uh, but yeah, we're uh, we're doing the Planet of the Apes reboot series. We're doing Rise, Dawn, War. I know it's Planet of the Apes, but I mean, this movie doesn't even try to hide. There's not like a secret that this is Earth at any point. Like it's just like no. this is Earth. So it could just be called Rise of Earth. Yeah, Dawn of Earth. Right, it's Earth. actually it's actually like existence of the planet of the Earthlings. Yeah, there's a few monkeys in it. Also, it should just be Rise of the Apes. Rise of Apes. The planet has actually no bearing. Much like global warming, the planet's not at risk. The people are. <laughs> so the planet is not at risk of apes at all. No, 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 no. People. Um, yeah, people are at risk people of apes. People are always at risk of apes. Uh, here's here's what else is fun. Here's here's what else is fun about this episode. We'll, we'll just tell everyone. This is our first episode recording on video. You're not going to see that video. We're not recording it for you. But uh, we had some Skype situations where we're like, should we use Zoom like we do for seven out of eight hours in a work day? And so we're on video. We're looking at each other. People are always like, it feels like you guys are in the yeah. same room. I'm very, you're going to see how much my hands move. And we might ironically feel less like we're in the same room now that we're... I know. I'm used to picturing you. Usually in a much more cramped uh, closet space. And I I don't mean that to seem like I'm making some sort of insult. You used to record in a closet. It Literally in in a closet. In in a closet. Yeah. Yeah, That's not a euphemism. You would set up a closet. Not a euphemism. Nope. Unfortunately. Not a euphemism. We're not that Uh, interesting for it to be a euphemism. (laughs) 
Man, if only we had one interesting thing to say on the show. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so this this should be fun. We'll see how much... I'm so used to looking at my levels that I'm going to have to remember to look up at the screen where Peter is so we can, you know, talk like real people talk. <laughs> As you can tell, part of the reason the delay. Hopefully most of these coughs will be edited out. But yeah, uh, uh, sickness is real. And uh, what's funny is, you know, when we were... When Trump first got elected... And we were constantly watching movies. And I know we were a parody of ourselves to some to some effect, right? Where we're like, you know, watching fucking Death Race 2000 or something or Running Man and being like, this kind of reminds me of Trump a little bit. And it's because, like, it was a fascist game show host. And, like, so much of, like, sci-fi dystopias around, like, you know, Paul Verhoeven movies is around, like, Trumpian-type figures taking power. So there, there's a lot of reference points. It, it was funny watching these movies and being like... This reminds me of COVID a little bit. Like, you know, it, it is. It, it's just yeah. bizarre to see, like, the mask, the way people, like, panic and all the other things that kind of happen. Now, obviously, our virus did not give rise to a planet of anything except more billionaires, as far as I understand it. Yeah, though, I, I'd say uh, there's a few more uh, monkeys in Congress that are uh, because of COVID. Uh, uh, Marjorie Taylor's green. Yeah. Uh, L- Laura Bobert. <laughs> Laura Bobert. Bobert? She's more like Lauren Bobo. These. The, 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 the monkey. I'll tell you what, they're less Bobo the Grills. They're Bozo the Clown. Clowns, I tell uh, you. Yeah. I, I think Let they're clowns. clowns. Yeah. Man. So definitely a rise of the planet of the clown situation in our <laughs> post pandemic world. I agree with you. The opening of Rise yeah. um, is does not indicate that is happening at all. Uh, and no. then at some point in the movie, they're like, oh, yeah, by the way, everyone in the world is going to die in the next movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I so let's let's talk about that. So I had no I mean, who had especially after Tim Burton's 2001 Planet of the Apes movie, which I'd love to if we do like a. The other we could almost do like an, an another shoe drops month where like directors that like got a hold of something that we were super excited for. Uh, and then we saw it and we're like, oh, that was – did I like that? Should I have liked that? Yeah, That's how I felt about Tim Burton's Planet of the Apes, right? It comes yeah. out in 2001. Tim Burton at that point is like one of my favorite directors. It's like hit, 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 hit. He's doing Planet of the Apes, which was a series. I'd only seen the first one by that point because I was in high school. Uh, but I but I did love it. I You know, it has like – if you remember the – you've seen the Tim Burton Planet of the Apes, I assume. Oof. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It, it has that ending where it's like we, we're not going to do the same twist. Instead, we're going to do a twist that makes no goddamn sense whatsoever. And I remember the DVD booklet even had, here's some clues, kind of like the Mulholland Drive thing, like, here's some clues to solving the ending of Planet of the Apes. And it was like, maybe someone get, came back first. And it's like, this is so stupid. Like, yeah. it's, it's not a clue. Like, you you made an ending that makes no sense in any context. It's just a no. surprise ending. Whatever. Uh, in the, sorry, really quickly. In the interest of thing, I always do for for the the show, say something nice about a one star movie. Um, the ape. We'll, I'll, we'll come back to this probably. The ape effects in are great. The uh, Tim Burton Rise of the Planet of the Apes are, I think, the best ape, the ape effects have ever looked. Agreed, because it, it's all practical. I remember seeing a ton of behind it's the scenes halfway stuff. between the old old yep. world and the new world. It's minimal CGI except for the um. There's like that battle scene that 2001, 2002 was like let's have two CGI armies just fucking smash into each other after yes. a lot of running. 
But like it was, all... it was the post Lord of the Rings Matrix thing where they yeah. were like, wait, hold on, we could do these big fights with a lot of sprites. I remember there was a point where like every movie, like Mummy Returns, had like, oh great, here's the two CGI armies that run into each other. But the sets and the makeup that they did on everyone was amazing. Like Fantastic. it was it was so good. But yeah, it's not a good movie, but like that was my and I hadn't seen I think Peter you convinced me to see all the other Planet of the Apes movies. We did the fifth one on the show in the first year. Like, I didn't have any, like, it was the time when, I I think prequels were at its, their nadir. Not that they've ever actually had, like, an apex, but, I mean, 2011 is like, oh, do I want to see a prequel to the Planet of the Apes? Like, I could not have been less into the idea. And none of it made sense. Like, and I, I think there was a lot of jokes about this, at the onset, like, what's get, how are they going to get from a monkey? Like, they spend so much of the movie, like, a monkey who learns to do sign language and is smart to Planet of the Apes. Like, and I know it's, they said, like, well, it's a reimagining of how it started. It's not, like, supposed to be a pre, an actual prequel to the Charlton Heston movie. On its paper, everything seemed dumb. I have no interest in seeing it whatsoever. I saw it just as an accident. I was actually at a, in Michigan at a client meeting that ended six hours early, mainly because they ended up firing us. We had a whole day worth of slides. <laughs> so I was with, uh, I was a good with, reason to end a meeting early. Yeah. So like we had like seven hours to our flight and there was a, there was a, a movie theater by the airport. And so me and the two people I was with from the company was like, well, we just picked the next showing basically. And it was rise of the planet of the apes. And we're like, this is going to be dumb. And we sat through it and we're just like, was that, amazing like was that incredibly good uh it's i think it's it was it was a big hit and we're gonna talk about the other movies later but i do think it surprised everyone with how the what on paper the worst fucking idea in the world became a just a legitimately good movie that while it didn't necessarily need to do this also did a good job of setting up a believable path for a how apes could have become super smart at the same time humans die out and society crumples yeah and like let's talk about the original ones really quickly because the original ones were literally like they were written by a french author who yep. was talking about what he saw as the 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 downspin of of human society right mm-hmm. that that maybe uh human society was taking a a cruel tor- turn backwards um de evolved uh not dissimilar from uh the super mario brothers film uh, yeah they and, they didn't use a ray the super mario yeah. brothers film did use a de evolution ray <laughs> not a devolution ray de evolution yes. yes and they didn't use cones like the members of the band devo no. Um, are, are you Goomba? No, we are Devo. Is that anything? <laughs> yes. Sure. Good. Good. Thank you. I mean, it's, uh, it's, a member of, it's a member of a different uh, post-punk band in uh, Super Mario Brothers, but yeah. we're good. Um, Jello Biafra. What, I, what I'm saying is that the original Planet of the Apes movies all kind of work as these sort of ridiculous allegories. They're like a sci-fi allegory. They're not supposed to be literalist. They're supposed to be like, imagine a world where apes... Who in some ways still behave like apes. They're bipedal yeah. fully. Yeah. Um, occasionally, I think they, they crawl around or do monkey shit. They, they sometimes they sometimes go a little quick, but they're I mean they're they're upright in the original movies. They're just walking and around. They do, there's literally a scene where they're supposed to be judges and they're doing the see no evil, evil hear no evil, yeah, um, saying no, speak no evil uh, thing. Like it's supposed to be 
truly allegorical in the original movie. The next movie, Beneath the Planet of the Apes, also kind of gets into that allegorical space where it's like, we're just playing with this as like a sci-fi concept. Like, uh, the atom bomb is now like the symbolic sort of ritual thing. And it got very into this like 70s sort of super spiritualist kind of view towards films. Not literalist either. Yeah. Um, all of this is very infused by like Rod Serling, who was making like allegories, broader moral tales, right? And then, you know, as the movie's gone, by the time we get to battle, it's pretty literal. <laughs> Battle's like not a terrible movie, but yeah. it's like the most, it's the most bland of the original movies. But they're all supposed to be allegorical. For is battle the one events. we did? Was ba- Battle was the one we oh, did. Oh, sorry, right? sorry, sorry. Um, no, we did. We did the last um, one. It's, it's Beneath. Battle's the last one. I think Battle's the last one. Maybe I'm wrong. Beneath, Escape, Conquest. Yeah, Battle. Battle. Okay. Battle's last. Yeah, yeah. So Battle is the last one. Uh, we did Conquest, which I think also fits in that allegorical space. It's about like race relations in America. Um, it's a really, really great movie. We covered it on the show. Um Battle gets into, like, literalist space, but that's just because they've done so many movies. Like, just doing a conflict between the apes and, and another group is, like, you know, it's a, it's a straight putt. This movie is something that's marked against it for me, is that it takes something that was kind of this allegorical, fun 70s space yeah. and turns into a literal concept. Like, we are literally going to explain to you how we get to the planet of the apes. Yeah. And it sounds like a terrible so It sounds like the game. worst. I mean, yeah. Who was it's, it's basically the like, hey, do you want to see this? Do you want to see the Death Star get built? Do you want to see how Anakin was as a kid? It's the same I mean, thinking. It is. It is a hundred percent the Patton Oswalt joke, right? Like the reason people didn't like the prequels, it's like I don't need to know where the thing that I like came from. I just like the thing that I like, and like I like how the Planet of the Apes got to the Planet of the Apes is probably like if you're looking at things that could use more drilling down into into like some sort of interesting like. Who cares? Like, whatever that story is, is not going to be interesting. And they they make it interesting through two things. One, Andy Serkis is a fucking amazing... Um, it's not new to say that he's an amazing CGI actor. But he, um, uh, he, he makes Caesar such a empathetic figure as a, as a chimp and a monkey and an ape in this movie that you really are affected by his personal story in the way that a lot of good animal movies work like whether it's old yeller or something like that you're just forget about all the trappings of the virus and the planet of the apes and everything else that comes through that the important part is that uh, you are there's an animal who you are imprinting with who you fall in love with that gets abused and mistreated because of his animal status. Like, that's enough, if well done, to hang a movie on. Many movies are. So, like, that is the first genius thing. We're not going to make, like, the Planet of the Apes is going to happen around this story. And then the other thing they do that's a really, I think, good job is, even though, like, James Franco sucks and, you know, all the other things, we don't need to get into that. He Like, James Franco, I think, a lot of times is an actor... Uh, when he's not uh, being a sex pest, he <laughs> doesn't ever feel like he's committed to any role all that much. He's playing James Franco, and I will give him credit in this movie. He really seems like between his relationship with his dad, who has Alzheimer's, John Lithgow, and the way he seems to care about this ape, like it may be his most like human, tender, touching performance. Like, and so those you you have that classic story of the old yeller type 
type dog who you just you just want him but you also have his boyfriend that you want them to stay together like there is a relationship and a bond between them harry and the hendersons whatever it is that like you don't white fang you don't want to see broken up and like getting that right on both angles an animal that you love and want to cuddle with and be friends with and everything else and then a, a bond with a human figure where it feels like a true, loving, touching relationship, and taking the time to invest in that relationship, which movies, I think even nowadays, movies don't. It's like, whatever, he has an ape friend and they're friends, let's go on with the other stuff. That's really why this movie sings. Yeah, yeah, you're you're absolutely right. Um, though it is it is not a uncliched thing to say that in the Planet of the Apes movies, the interesting characters, the memorable characters are always the apes. Um like what you remember about this movie is season. I mean, I but I can't think of <laughs> besides Charlton Heston. I'm not sure I can think of a other human character in the original movie. I, I mean, I know Mark guy, Wahlberg. I remember the guy in Beneath the Planet of the Apes that is a fake Charlton Heston. Oh yeah, after he dies. Yeah, well, they need his, another. His name's like Carl or something. They need another Charlton Heston character because they're almost. It's almost like a remake of the original He's one. Like, like they, I'm gonna they, go look for the mutants. <laughs> okay, we'll see about, at the end of the movie, but <laughs> yeah, they spend about forty minutes remaking Planet of the Apes, and then they're yeah. like, "But now we're gonna have a mutant nuclear city under the ground." Yeah. They're like, "Okay, yeah." Beneath uh, but like, roots. yes, it's not. The, I I love I love basically all the Planet of the Apes movies except for the Timber ones. Timber Um, but um, it's not. It, it is a cliched thing, obviously, to say that the the apes are the most interesting characters in these movies. That's kind of the point. Yeah. Um. Also, they're wearing ape makeup. Um, very distracting. But, uh, I do think that it's crucially important for the ape to have somebody to bond with in this movie, have a family that's worth caring about and having some sort of connection because that sets up the rest of the series. The power of the, the reason Dawn is my favorite of the three. The reason Dawn has so much power is because of this. And John Lithgow and James Franco do our legwork. I mean, they're, they're great. It definitely hits different to have a scene with James Franco hitting on a woman through Caesar yeah. in a movie where I'm like, mm, you're not allowed to be sexual. Yeah. I mean, we're, not, she's over we're not allowing such a thing. Yeah. She's not in high school. <laughs> we just didn't know at the time. Um, but I mean, maybe yeah, we so did. The, I forget yeah. when we found out and everyone went and then he made fun of it on Saturday Night Live and everyone forgave him. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you made a joke about it. Cancel culture is not real, right? Yeah. It's not. No. <laughs> if, if, if you have you have like a number of points that you're allowed to burn through before you're officially yeah. canceled, and then you get to come back. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. So all that works really well, but then you have the other part that works like amazingly well is the the betrayal part where Caesar kind of like rejects humanity and tries to make bonds with the with the apes and i i love the way that that this movie is genius in the way that the apocalypse that effectively starts the planet of the apes happens in the background in like the seams of the movie and then basically over the end credits so it's not taking all this time to go through like all those normal story beats that I think would have been pretty rote and uninteresting. Instead, it is spending time on... It's, it's an hour of this movie developing the relationship he has with James Franco and John Lithgow and, and ye, over years and years, right? Like, years and years pass. 
And then it spends 45 minutes of him in the ape enclosure bonding with all the other apes. First, um, as the one that is like an outcast and that they're abusing and hurting both by the zookeepers and the apes. But then also um, as he like, you know, starts leaning into the fact that he has talents and intelligence that the other apes lack. Like that's where this movie spends 90% of its time. And then the apocalypse, the rise of the planet of the apes happens in the background of all that. And like, that's, Genius. I, I don't I yes. can't think of another movie that's trying to lead to this big important event, which is what prequels usually do, that has the big important event happen over the end credits. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And and, and um because you care about Caesar's story so much, um, particularly as you get to see Caesar, Caesar grow from uh, a pup. What do you what do you call baby baby chimps? Um, I think you a murder is it a murder. That'd be a group of ba- of baby it's a, chimps. No. Uh, murder is, of course, <laughs> a group of crows and a baby chimp. <laughs> they need to have one honorary chimp yeah. amongst. I their, think amongst I, their crop. I, I think one of the challenges for us being able to see each other's faces is we're going to know from more than just silence when a joke doesn't land with one of us. <laughs> just um, head but... shakes look at disappointment uh but uh yes the, the 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 we get to see caesar as a baby um we get to see uh caesar grow up throughout the years it's not just that apes are cute um by the way yeah. i think we discussed this last week i'm gonna use ape and monkey interchangeably because monkey is more fun to say than ape and i'm gonna use yeah. ape when i'm talking when we've just said the title of the movie and then never yeah. again I'm going to, this entire time, I'm going to have the Kinks Ape Man playing in my head. The entire <laughs> conversation. Yeah. Um, absolutely. I mean, this um, This I, is, I don't know if, if Ape Man Rolling by the Stones Kinks. Monkey Man playing in my ear. I don't know if I'm gonna. Was, I'm going to go, ooh, ooh, ah, all over you. <laughs> I don't know if uh, Ape Man was inspired by the original Planet of the Apes movie. From a timeline perspective, it could work. It could work. Yeah, uh, because it did happen chronologically. Is it bad that that might be my favorite Kings fan song? Like, it's not as good as so many of their songs, but I do love Ape Man. I, I mean, my my favorite is this is this is maybe strange. And you're like, um, a, you're a hard, you're a harder core Kings fan than me. I do love the Kings. I love, I love the song, <laughs> I love the song that goes, "Oh, demon alcohol, <laughs> sad memories I can't I, recall." I don't even, I don't think. Well, no, maybe I have heard that song. I think that might be off Muswell Hillbillies. I have to, I have to remember. Um, I do love that song. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they have a weird mix of like really goofy songs that are as catchy as shit uh, and then they had like super... a 20 year period where they did nothing but garbage um yeah, yeah so but, they're a 60s um, band yeah exactly um but yes so uh where were we but yes you get to see baby caesar as a baby um and growing up and you go through this whole cycle and because of that you forget the fact that they're kind of like very much slow rolling their way to the first Planet of the, Apes. of the apes movies yeah like it, they're literally like setting up a timeline that is going to take at least three movies to get to this new futuristic world where... Yeah. It, and all the characters that you know and love in this movie are going to be dead by the time that movie happens. I mean, it so. really is like, yeah, the monkeys are, you know, we Zach Groton had that great observation about Showa era 
Godzilla movies that like continuity is between the monsters themselves. The human characters have no continuity. I think there's more continuity in these. Obviously, there's the scene in Dawn that's very affecting, which we'll talk about next week, where he goes back to the house and he watches a video of him as a baby play with play with James Franco. But yeah, the movie, the human character, I don't think there's any crossover human character from movie to movie. Yeah. Is yeah. there? Uh, um, I well, we haven't watched four yet, so I don't know. Um, I, I will say you mentioned just uh, you said Dawn was your favorite. I, I haven't watched four yet either. My ranking from memory would have gone War, Rise, Dawn, all of them four and a half to five stars. Like yeah. I, I think they're cl- they're tight. However, you rank them, yeah, I'll, tight. I'll see if War holds up. Yeah, I think Dawn is better than. Down the better is better than Rise. When we get to the war episode, we'll, we'll re-rank them. I think, I think part of where, and we'll talk about this today, I still think I lean Rise a little bit, but it is tough, is because, like, I do think surprise plays a big factor into how I feel about this movie, even compared to the other two. I think that Dawn, is true. That's I, think, why, I mean, that's why I like War less than Dawn is because Dawn proved that they could do the post-apocalyptic do yeah. thing really well. And then War was like, we're going to do it again with some crazier action sequences. And I was like, you already showed still, me what still you in. do. Still in. But yeah. No, I, I think like I think Dawn is think right. a, per, you know, a, a perfectly executed from acting, from themes to story beats to exciting moments like summer blockbuster film and has cgi and set pieces that could go head to toe with any of the best uh and also it like everything feels really weighted it grounded the post-apocalyptic stuff works really well but like it's also what i would have expected from a 2014 planet of the apes reboot directed by especially like a matt reeves rise i i think still to this day does not have a movie like it. And I, I, I'm going to hit that point a lot through this. Like what it chooses to focus on. What it chooses not to focus on. And how it decides to do blockbuster entertainment. Or quote unquote blockbuster entertainment. Is this really like zoomed in. Take its time. Human empathetic character study. I think yeah. is still just unique among the best of the best action movies out there. And so. Yeah, I don't know, Peter. Do you want to... Yeah, I actually... I, I, I want to do two real quick things on that point. Because these are going to be themes I'm going to talk about all month. Oh, actually, the first one probably not have to talk about much. But let's get it out of the way. You mentioned earlier it's very weird that the beginning of Dawn is just like a... A movie from 2014, right? Yeah, 2014. What if the world had a mega virus that killed everybody? Like, Hey, you remember at the end... Well, it's like, you remember the end credits of the last movie? No, they all died. Yeah. <laughs> when you saw the guy from the airport go bing, boom, boom, boom on the little jet screen, they all died. We were using shorthand. You're welcome. You yeah. didn't have to watch, uh, whatever, yeah. <laughs> 7 billion. Yada, 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 the apes escaped yeah. from the zoo. Like, yeah. You're, I agree. So when we get to, by the time we get to Dawn, I believe the number they throw out is um, one out of 500 people has survived. Yeah. Bad um not good still i mean um, still a lot of people yeah yeah so okay so at the beginning you mentioned a movie during spooktober um called i believe await further instructions do you know where i'm yes. going with this no how if the movie await further instructions came out today oh yeah i think like you think it's, you think it's an anti you think it's an anti-vax movie 
Yes, but it came out years before we all had to have government instructions yeah, on just how like, not to kill each other. <laughs> I mean, it's the same thing when we did X-Files, right? Like, X-Files was about, like, government conspiracy, what's going on with conspiracy. Await further instructions is hitting the same tone. Watching it through the prism, both of those through the prism of 2022, where it's like, you're going to trust the government vaccination program? It's not fun conspiracy because, like, people have made a pandemic last longer because they think X-Files is real. Yes. Um, await further instructions, similar thing. A, a government control of, of people, telling people what to do. Um, and then I threw out also that when we covered Kill List, I was like, Kill List feels like a QAnon like QAnon movie. movie, yeah. It feels like all these government forces are getting together to abuse children and sacrifice people to the devil, and they have these dark rituals. But when they made the movie, they were like, we're riffing off the same yeah. conspiracy theories. Yeah, the Illuminati, text. all this stuff. But it was more it was more fun back then. Yeah, um, definitely. Not real. That, I mean, um, we watched all movie, those X-Files episodes, and there was a lot of them that was like, man, I had so much fun. Like, I, I still liked it, but there was a lot of, like, it's, it's hard. It's different. It's hard. Yeah. So it's one of those shows that's ill-advised to, to have made a new season for, but they still got it. Oh, and especially because they leaned into the QAnon stuff. Yes. Terrible yes. idea. So... Okay, so that's my first point, is that, like, it's it's good to know when you're watching this movie, is, like, you may be triggered by the fact that, like, this movie, this movie literally, like, said, like, the reason for the virus is a lab leak. Like, it is literally, like, yeah. it's, predicted. It's, well, oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, they really are, the like. Wuhan stuff. Yeah. yeah, it was designed in a lab. And they hit that hard at the beginning of Dawn, right? Because everyone's pissed off about the fact that this uh, lab was doing experimentations on monkeys. And they and blame really, the and release and they blame the monkeys and the lab. Yes. Yeah. So Genesis or whatever. Second point I want to make, which will actually like track throughout the months, is I have a theory um, that the reason why I like these movies, not just because they're really well made in terms of like technical filmmaking and they had actual actors on set and not fucking white tennis balls that actors were acting against, is because thematically, these are the only blockbusters that are about big conflicts between people that is actually anti-war and is actually sort of hippy dippy yep yeah <laughs> um, these are movies that are actually like are, are this movie hits states. more of the anti-capitalism stuff but it, it it's i mean like you're right now it could be easily be a anti-science thing but yeah. it, it's still very clearly hitting on anti-capitalism it's about like not testing on animals. It's about you not using cap, not using um, uh, uh, pharmaceutical, big pharma as an excuse for cruelty, right? Or like, just like literally it. not prioritizing drugs or testing based on what could save lives, but what could make the most money. This one is like has sort of a a, a uh, anti and anti greed kind of message. The next two are fully anti war, hippy dippy epic war movies and they are fully like anti-imperialist they're anti-cruelty they're fully about like can we find a way to make peace Whereas yeah and and, and how almost it... every blockbuster now almost every blockbuster is about what is the most violent way we can fight to murder everybody we hate yeah. every superhero movie now is about hey we have somebody that we need to fucking obliterate off the planet yeah. Uh, like, hey, it doesn't matter what the collateral damage is that it took for you to get there, Scarlet Witch. 
Like you, you got there. You helped us against Ultron or whatever. Like they're they're all about like, hey, we should have unregulated <laughs> nuclear weapons off. Like marching against like the, the 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 superhero the superhero movies are not politically sound. No, I don't care. I don't care what people tell you. Um, well, and even when they're even when they don't have that message, I would argue. I know you don't like Doctor Strange. But one of the things that's refreshing about the first Doctor Strange movie is it doesn't have that, right? It's about yeah. it, it. It ends with like Doctor Strange like creating a, a, a immovable rock versus a unstoppable force yeah. type situation and waiting for someone else to call Uncle, which is different. It's you know about like using your gifts practically and everything yeah. else. But like it's still a bad movie because Benedict Cumberbatch. I'm actually like second guessing myself what the fake name you, is. I love I love this is the first complicated name you've gotten right in the show and you don't have confidence well, in it. How could you? <laughs> I mean at this point, like you imposter syndrome is like is knowing that you're not smart enough to get it right without at least second guessing yourself. <laughs> you um, the only thing you got wrong in the spelling of his name is that you added a question mark to the end. <laughs> I, I think that's implied. <laughs> Cumberbatch? Cumberbatch? Like, alright. But I will say, okay, oh, so like shoot. the first oh, Black no, Panther no. movie The first Black Panther movie is obviously an anti-imperialist movie, and it's about like trying to con like I'm not saying every single but, but, movie is so, necessarily imperialist, but the point is I that, like, know, but even hold on, I want to pause on that Black Panther point just because that is a movie where and um I saw this someone said this better than I did, but the Black Panther one, I rewatched that recently, and that's so true. That Marvel movies at this point are essentially, or superhero movies are essentially portraying someone who is, like, unequivocally right, and then making them do such asinine things that you are like, okay, I guess I'll root against them. Like, that is, <laughs> Michael B. Jordan in, like, Black Panther is correct, is correct about everything, but then they're like, let's show him murder this woman who's running away, so that you're like... But I don't like that at all. Yeah, I don't like that murdering yeah. the innocent civilian who's trying to leave the situation. But like that's what they're yeah. forced to do, essentially. But but yeah, my, my point is is that basically yeah. that we end up we end up uh, these Marvel movies actually aren't about moral issues, right? They're about they're 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 gesturing at a moral quandary and then nothing like tell me what the moral situation is in a civil in civil war. In, in, it's not oh. really a movie about regulation. It's not I mean, really a movie about yeah, independence. Like, who do you yes. root for in that situation? And and, and and no cheating here. You're not allowed to talk about the Civil War comic. I'm talking about the Civil War movies. Civil... The movies no, that are around, around the Civil War. Technically, in the movies, you're supposed to root for Captain America. Yeah. Captain America from a, like, a analog to the real world is 100% in the wrong. Yes. Like, unregulated force is not a good thing, especially for a, like, police, what's effectively a worldwide police force. But then, even if you go back to the movie and say, Iron Man's right, well, Iron Man is still arguing for an international, like, it's, it's, whether you look at it from the politics of the movie, or the politics of the real world, it's like, technically, if I go anything below surface level, there's no one to root for. Like, there's, yeah. Yeah, it's all it's a roller like it's a roller coaster ride, right? Like yeah. if you if you uh like go down the, the hill and go, hey, what does this mean? Is this like an example of unregulated capitalism in the stock market or something like that? You'll you'll be like, This is fucking dumb. I, why am I thinking yeah. about this? And that's what civil war does. 
Yes. And, and uh, like, let's, like, I, uh, let's be fair. Like, the John Wick movies that I love, I love all of them. Yeah. I will love Ballerina. I loved Atomic Blonde, even though it's not in the series. Like, I will love, I love all the movies that are connected to John Wick. Um, They're about don't kill. Those movies also. Don't, don't like, kill a guy's dog. Yeah, but like it's like starts off like really politically sound. Like, don't kill a guy's dog. Revenge can be justifiable. Yeah. And then as the movies go on, they're like, what if we had murderers who were bigger than each murderer as we go? Like, there's no politically cogent point being made. No, there's no ethical po- cogent point being made. That's fine. I'm just saying, the only the, the Marvel movies at best and the DC movies at best are politically in incomprehensible yeah that worse imperialist or fascist or fascist and this movie uh sorry this series the planet the new planet apes as well as i will say the four matrix movies but and five matrix movies i guess i will say wait what's the fifth matrix movie uh animatrix oh okay okay they're all pointing they're all pointing at the same political yeah um those movies that like we do not have really many big budget franchise movies that are about like what about seeking peace what about seeking some sort of some sort of internal internal peace external peace like trying to find like some 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 sort of way to make the world better but not through strictly through destruction of your enemies right um and uh that's one of the things that i think keeps bringing you back to these movies is because on one hand action scenes are so satisfying like they fucking rip but on the other hand i hate when the action scenes come because that i know that cr- means that creatures that i have grown attached to are going to be harmed and it hurts to watch some of the action scenes because you're just like they could have been living out in the fucking woods they could have been fine <laughs> like but but now they got a fucking uh dual wheeled m249s on the back of a horse <laughs> uh, yeah and we'll definitely talk about that especially through dawn and war but i i think that i think that is i mean it's it, that is the point of those movies right and i know that's kind yes. of what you're saying is that like Copa's leading all the violence right? yeah i mean everything well there's like human assholes it's like how much peace between communities societies civilizations hinges on basically like being able to stop your assholes from acting which which is also the story of of the of the world conflict right like it plunges millions of troops into war but like it still comes down to like who are you letting make decisions or have access to make those decisions that could cause that and like what makes dawn and war so heartbreaking is that like no one none of this has to be this way there's more than enough earth especially when there's you know so many people who have died there's more than enough resources really there's no reason for this and you don't want to see these people get hurt and like and that's and it also though like dawn hits this really well too where it's like there there is a point where like so much damage has been done that you can't just point to your assholes because of all the people that go along with stuff and something like that. Like Dawn is great because it ends at a point where like all their assholes, the main people that have caused all the problems between these two societies have been removed and everyone goes, yeah, but too late. We're now. still forced to live in yep. the in- the choices that people have made for us. Yep. The last thing really quick before we get, uh, go through the plot yep. of this movie quickly uh, is, this is a movie, much like Tron Legacy, 
Uh, I, I've seen Dawn now, and actually, I, it, it, it didn't it didn't hit for Dawn, where the uncanny valley really came for this movie in a way that I was a little bit bummed about. Yeah, uh, it's in, it's interesting that it didn't come for like Dawn's three years later. I'm sure because Matt Reeves. <laughs> Dawn is fine right now. <laughs> don't make me watch Dawn in three years, but <laughs> I mean, I don't know when it comes for these things. But it was yeah. interesting. Like I remember seeing this in theaters and thinking it looked like amazing. And there's. There's parts that when it's just the chimps, um, it's good. Uh, when there is a lot of like Caesar, which I thought like like uh, Jeff Bridges and in, in Tron Legacy was like that looks like young Jeff Bridges, and now it's like yes. that looks like a box they put yeah. a suit on. And to clarify, when I you know maybe softening the landing a little bit, when I saw Tron Legacy in theaters, I was very high at the time. So, and then when I saw it at home, I was also very high at the time. So, I don't know, strictly speaking. You thought it was Kurt Jeff Bridges, and I, <laughs> I thought it was Kurt Russell. Strictly speaking, uh, also, Jeff Bridges was high when he was making Tron Legacy. Let's be clear about that. Um, oh, yeah. I'm going to go outside we, and tap on the sky. <laughs> Great line. Let's be clear that some of that is is the the CGI aging poorly. Some of that was me being a high for being every sober. viewing of Tron yeah. Legacy until we covered on the show. <laughs> Boom! Uh, I can say that I saw it. I rented it when it came out on DVD or whatever in 2010, and was like, "Holy shit! I cannot believe this technology <laughs> exists." So I, I can tell you, I was I was not high and was yeah genuine genuinely impressed. Um, uh, and as someone who even still stands Polar Express somewhat, I can tell you that Tron Legacy was like, oh, whoops, that came for it. And the Uncanny Valley Valley came came for this, unfortunately, as well. So Not as, as long- bad as Polar Express, though. I mean, Oof. the Polar Express was always just Uncanny Valley. <laughs> Didn't come for it. James Franco Aaron, still looks real in this movie. Aaron won't let me cover Polar Express on Cursed Christmas, even though... Oh, we can cover it. It is it is not a good movie. Uh, it looks like garbage. The ending scene, like the last third of it, like makes me very happy in like just a Christmassy way. Which is what even a Cursed Christmas movie should do. Yeah. Um, for what it's worth. But yeah, let's get into it. Let's talk about Rise of the Planet of the Apes. Let's do it. So first, it's directed by uh, noted cemetery man Rupert Everett. <laughs> Not sure. Uh, no, Rupert uh, Wyatt. Has he done anything else that we care about? I don't think so. Um, no, I. It actually, for some reason, I forgot that uh, Matt Reeves didn't kick off the series because, yeah. to me, he so visually owns the other movies. Yeah, well, uh, this does didn't... seem of a piece with it. Like it's okay. Ripper Wire did do a movie that I have only seen clips of and I feel like would be very funny to cover on the show, which is The Gambler. I think it would be very funny to cover The Gambler. 
Oh, Mark Wahlberg. I just I just pulled up the poster. This Mark like, it's like, like I've always known I've always known gambling was the way I wanted to be. I'm a gambler, a rambler. It's, it looks like the like the prequel to Father Stew. If you look at the poster, it's, it's like him burnt <laughs> yeah, out, this... and the next one is like I became a priest. God, well, you know we're covering Father Stew in 2023. We're, well, I mean, we got to cover the 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 PG 13 cut for all the churches. We've got to cover the extended hey, student. Hey, student hey, numbers. hey, stay, stay, stay prayered up. <laughs> God, stay prayered up. Um, yeah, gonna, I was getting pretty messed up. <laughs> I do think, like, uh, so he released that movie, like, Captive State in 2019, which was, like, as someone who was always hungry for sci-fi movies, I was like, that could be good. But everyone was like, it's not very good. So I didn't, I never saw it. Um, yeah, he's, he's, he's m- largely a, a jobber, it seems like. Yeah. Uh, but he did a good job here. So yeah, it starts with James Franco, scientist. He's trying to cure Alzheimer's for his dad, for John Lithgow. Um, I do rank. I do rank this on a similar track with uh, Will Smith being the uh, I Am Legend uh, scientist. Where you're like, buddy. I've yeah. seen a lot of movies where you're just kind of a wait. Hold on, who hang out? Ch- who is <laughs> who is uh, less likely to be a scientist though? Because his right hand man, as you've noted. It's Tyler Labine. So this is uh, this is James Franco and Tyler Labine trying to cure Alzheimer's. <laughs> like I don't know if they could cure like man, a man, scab, gonna... <laughs> like a scab that they had, knowing that just time does most of the work. Man, my dad's got Alzheimer's, dude. That sucks. Oh. <laughs> That blows. Hey, can we borrow his car then? Maybe, <laughs> like he won't remember. <laughs> we should keep his car away from him by taking it to the combination Taco Bell KFC. This has like one mild tweak, and this movie is about how James Franco and Tyler Labine exploit John Lithgow, who's suffering from Alzheimer's, so they can like go buy drugs or go on a crazy night with like their their dad's cool car like <laughs> and they have a, a pet tweak. monkey <laughs> and they have a pet monkey yeah this is like the hangover but somehow yeah. equally bad yeah absolutely and um the thing that is so funny about tyler labine being in this movie is he's that a, yeah he's the son of tucson man <laughs> remember that five episodes sitcom he started yeah everyone remembers this um you know, he he got he got trampolined off of his Reaper fame. <laughs> what if what if Kevin Smith, but less likable, maybe? <laughs> uh, um, but yeah, Tyler Labine is in this. Yeah, movie. but they're they're curing uh, all they're curing Alzheimer's. They're curing, so. they're curing Alzheimer's. Okay, so at first I and was like, on. it's a little it's a little too cute that his dad has Alzheimer's and he's trying to cure Alzheimer's. I like, mean, that's but that's too... that's probably why he's trying to cure Alzheimer's. Beer. I no no no. no but I have you I heard mean, of like, like a mission? Like, yes yes i i at first i was like that's a little too cute that like he yeah. ended up on this mission to to cure alzheimer's right because like that's not generally like that you think work. like oh convenient i got the like he got a part in a play oh it's interesting yes. i'm in the cure alzheimer's group because my dad has alzheimer's that's convenient <laughs> i know a lot about that. <laughs> you're like i got this role in fiddler on a roof my dad was also really annoying yeah <laughs> I don't know enough about Fiddler on the Roof to make a joke without... Yeah. Uh, I'm just saying get the guy off my fucking roof. Fair. <laughs> um, but That's not where Fiddlers but, go. But, but to defend this movie a little bit, 
Um, mm-hmm. I have a friend who is a marine biologist, and she um, literally the thing that got her interested in marine biology was that her, she grew he, up in her, Florida. Had her dad a, was a starfish. Um, her dad was a fish, um, and that's what Shape of Water was about. Um, is that she, um, where she grew up in Florida, um, had a collapsing qu- coral reef. Yep. situation and it kind of stuck with her and then when she was in college and, and trying to get into the sciences she was like i can just like kind of get like specialize in, yeah. in this yeah so, I like, care it about does this. happen in, it it does happen in real life we're so we're in soulless mission. corporate jobs peter so like uh, some people do yeah. pursue their passion i don't know if you know that <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> I don't know if you know that I people sometimes that some pursue people... their passion i forgot that some people have a reason to live <laughs> You yeah, and you you outlined like what is a good thing that people pursue careers for, as opposed to I don't know, maybe a paycheck every once in a while. I can afford food. <laughs> That's what we do. Uh, okay, so the anyways, hold that, on, we haven't got past. Yeah. We have a whole other episode yeah. to record tonight. So they're 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 curing Alzheimer's. Now I will say like the funniest part, like the most mockable part of this movie, besides those two being again the people that are trying to cure Alzheimer's, they. Go to so they're doing they're showing a test. This monkey has done a fantastic job of not of growing brain tissue and stuff like that. And they're gonna they've taught it a bunch of things these tests, and they're gonna show it in the board and they're gonna bring them in. And they think it's because of a bad sedation job or whatever else, or he's just having a bad day. The monkey goes bananas and attacks everyone in the boardroom, and they're like, "This is crazy." Shut down the whole program and kill all the apes, right? And then they they find out that, like, oh, the monkey wasn't being crazy. It had a baby monkey, which is going to become Caesar, that it was trying to protect. It was worried about it. But, but I also, like, the idea that they've invested billions of dollars into this, and because of a botched ape reaction in, like, at the time, at showtime, it's like, if you can't get past the previews... <laughs> we're never gonna open on broadway I, like like it's so dumb like the idea that okay. that would be enough and how would that be james franco's fault like okay, everyone's okay, like so you fucking piece of shit how dare you make this he's monkey like okay we're us. gonna make we're gonna make monkeys smarter we're repairing brain cells with yeah. new ones it's like a good cancer is what he yeah. says right um which i think is foreshadowing the fact that it's going to be a very bad cancer death cancer Oh, man, I actually really love, like, I want to talk about the science behind how they decide to make it work better later on. Like, I mean, yeah. like, film science. I don't know anything about the actual yeah, science. Yeah. But it's, like, really, it's, a, it's like, it really sells this idea well, which we'll talk about yeah. in a sec. Um, and and this, these movies, when they were written, they were originally pitched by a writer. And uh, the writer was uh, very much into the, uh, he was, like, reading a bunch of science at the time. And he kind of took a bunch of interests that he was following with his wife at the time. And the two of them wrote a script together based on, like, three of their interests. But anyways, and then they were like, get okay. Rupert Wired. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then get this jobber. He's the only guy so, that okay. can sell my vision. Um, so... Uh, Bright Eyes is the uh, the the monkey that dies. Yeah. And the drug is to make the, uh, animals smarter and exhibit, like, better. Well, so it, it just makes brain cells, like, repair itself. And so in monkeys, yes. that's making them smarter because there's nothing to repair, so it's building new. I love, I love the idea that they're mad at the monkey for making, for, for a monkey that was apparently given brain stimulating drugs. Yeah. For making the very inhuman mistake of not wanting to be in prison with her baby. (laughs) 
Just the whole thing. Also, like, also, 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 they didn't notice there were babies in there and she was pregnant. I mean, yeah, they're scientists. I mean, it's Tyler. Like, aren't they taking- Hold on, it's Tyler. Hold on, it's Tyler Labine. Okay. <laughs> aren't they taking, like, blood levels, right? Like, they're not seeing, like, like a, a, a bump in, like, HCG or whatever the chimp equivalent of HCG is, why, right? Why did they need to bring the chimp into the room with everyone? Show the videos of him solving the puzzle and show the brain scans. They're not training. The the chimp's not going to be performing in front of children. They're like, make sure the chimp is well-behaved. They're, they're testing whether his brain cells are growing, which the scans work. But, like, <laughs> and he has a monkey doesn't want to be in monkey prison any longer. <laughs> he has an outburst and they're like... Fuck it. You're ne- you're never going to be seen in this building again. <laughs> I know. They're like kill all the animals. Kill all of them. <laughs> like it, that that part Tyler is like, like I ain't killing one more fucking shit. I mean he's like he's like drunk. He's like I killed all of them. I'm not killing this baby and he's like James Franco, you kill this baby. And James Franco can't kill the baby. So he brings the monkey home. And now the important thing that it, later is that the the serum that they injected into bright eyes caesar's mom went into him so uh it, it essentially he is actually has has had was born with essentially a some sort of injection that makes his brain grow quicker so very quickly he is exhibiting like an advanced um, learning for even like a, a, a human baby. So he's solving puzzles. He's knowing how to ask for things. He's very smart. He knows how to listen and stuff like that. So they start fast forwarding the, that um, John Lithgow, his dad, really like starts to connect with them with with Caesar, which gives James Franco a reason to want to keep him around beyond just the because he doesn't know necessarily that this is what's happening but he did note that he was born with green eyes which chimps don't have in the wild but was a side effect of the drugs they were injecting so he thinks maybe this is a test case that i can study while i don't know not being allowed to work at alzheimer's medicine but still working at the same place for a long time do you think do you think that this movie was the basis for the song behind these these hazel eyes (laughs) yep um uh i think it linger on your pale blue eyes but yeah i think i think we're, we have too many behind or blue eyes. or um uh total eclipse of the heart yep or Bright monkeys. Eyes, every now and then a monkey apart do you think this is where connor obert got his ideas from yeah yeah what if i'm an asshole like a the monkey defending his babies all the time <laughs> and have huge like, fits at my shows <laughs> what if i was a weirdo like a monkey yeah that's how he talks right <laughs> what am i yeah I'm a weirdo like a monkey. <laughs> that's how he sings i guess i don't know how he talks <laughs> you weird little monkey <laughs> i'm a waste a paint <laughs> <laughs> you got robert wyatter what? Rupert Wyatter? Rupert. Rupert Wyatter. Robert Wyatt is, a, is another musician. We can call this out. <laughs> now you sound like fucking Steve Brule. Rupert um, Wilder. No, we were directed Rupert Wilder. <laughs> who directed Rise of the Monkey Planet. Um, so, anyway. Uh, we... Yeah, so we, we kind of fast forward in time. He's uh, Caesar's two years old. And essentially, they, uh, he's like he takes him to a vet played by, uh, played by Frida Pinto, 
Pretty Pinto, yeah. Um, who then they kind of start dating, finds out, hey, I, I was asking all these chimpanzee vet-related questions because because I have a chimp, weird, and, like, uses it to pick up, uh, uses uses the chimp to pick up. Uh, I've got a friend who's a chimp. Hey, He's like, if I was a baby. chimp. <laughs> um, so... He decides, though, like, he realizes he's never going to get the funding for this drug, and everyone's like, because you couldn't train a well-behaved monkey, you never work it in this town again. But we're not firing you because you have, I don't know, pharmaceutical company tenure of some sort, but whatever. Uh, but we don't care about your results. We don't care about your science. You had a bad monkey situation. <laughs> you know cop movies where they get bumped to desk jobs? Yeah, That's what happened that. to him. No um, more big science. You get to do small science now. So he's like injects his dad, John Lithgow, and it immediately works. He wakes up the next morning and he like remembers things he hasn't before. And so he starts using him as a, his test case and 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 having human trials. And this this goes on for essentially years. And meanwhile, like there's again a lot of time that's um spent like bondings like caesar sees the neighborhood and he's kind of stuck in this like he his attic is his room he keeps looking outside obviously he's not allowed to go outside and so as a uh, even though he sees like neighbor boys playing with stuff so as a compromise um james franco they start going to these excursions to outs- they're in san francisco and they go to the sequoia um the redwood forest and so he is able to go and swing on trees uh, and these amazing vistas and just be free for a little bit. But he's getting older. He's going through maturity. Frida's like, hey, a, like a baby chimp. Like, they do go through puberty. There's this hilarious scene that my, Maya watched both these movies with me and was laughing. And that scene where he's, like, supposed to be a, in his teenage or puberty adolescent years. And he's wearing that, like, big sweater. And he, like, sits in the back of the car. And he just kind of, like, seems like a teenager. And people are like, why do you got a monkey on a leash? And he's like, why do I have a leash? Because he, he's learned to sign and can talk that way. So the other big part comes with, though, kind of two two things that happen. And again, this is an hour into the movie. We're not passing over it. But it just is really focused on all of these moments of, like, Caesar growing up, wanting to be free, trying to figure out why he's a smart monkey who can talk and communicate his thoughts and where he fits in the world. And, uh, and you know, kind of just happy times with this family that's been reunited with their father or, or father-in-law through this miracle drug that's made him, like... Well, all of a sudden, one day, he starts getting worse again. And uh, that is compounded by the fact that Caesar finally gets out one day. Um, and he gets out and he kind of wants to play with some kids and he essentially gets gets arrested by uh, animal control. And they say, hey, we're not going to terminate this monk, but monkey, but like you can't keep this monkey. We have a nice ape preserve. Look, these aren't cages. This is a big open area for them to play in. It's going to be fine. And uh, Brian Cox runs that zoo, which uh, Brian Cox is always an intimidating figure. Even when I saw this when it came out, you know, you have uh, fucking what Red Dragon and or not? Yeah. It's not called what or, uh, Man- Manhunter and uh, you know Super Troopers. Literally, I mean, name it. But like I, it, it became worse after Succession. Like the seeing this for the first time after Succession, I was like, oh fuck. I have to. I have to note this here. This movie has a few people that are grossly overqualified for what the movie is asking of them. Oh, yeah. Brian Cox is, is one of them. He's the most notable one where I was like, 
he's just like runs the monkey yeah. zoo and he's not even there to get mauled at the end no like and he's not he's not house. he does he's not an abuser he's just a like uh i mean the final solution to getting caesar out of there is like you know uh the the andrea doria episode of seinfeld yeah. Where, like they go through all that rigmarole for George to get the apartment and tell how terrible his life is. And at the end, he doesn't get the apartment. The guy's like, what did you do? How did you get the apartment? Oh, I just slipped a super 50 bucks. It's like <laughs> years of court orders. And he gives him a couple thousand dollars. He's like, sure. I don't care. Take the chip. Yeah. Take it. Yeah. But the, but like uh, in Dawn, which we'll talk about as well, I need to get back to it. Like the also an incredibly overqualified cast for what they're asking them to do. Jump back to the first point we made in the very beginning of this episode. Um, the, the focus of these movies is on the apes. I think James Franco and John Lithgow are properly cast for yep. what the movie needs of them. Yeah. Frida Pinto, sure. Like, she could do yeah. a lot better. Like, she, we've seen her do better. Yeah. But, like... Yeah, she has a eh. she's she's a thankless love interest. I mean... It's it's it's, 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 it's a family store movie, right? Yeah. Yep. It's like, Absolutely it's like you're... Extreme, extremely pretty. You get to be charming for like two scenes, but the movie, nobody when they watch the movie remembers you're in them. <laughs> I mean, you literally could like she's helpful for that scene of like, here's how you take care of a chimp because I'm a chimp vet, and that's it. Like, it, like it, it's more about like reinforcing this loving family like unit. Um, I mean, very heteronormative, traditional. Um family unit but that's what it's there for but yeah she's i i I have an argument that you could have made her the tyler um, tyler labine tyler being character maybe have maybe they have a platonic relationship maybe they don't i don't really care that they just have like one other person and they have this sort of informal family like a man his dementia ridden father and then his best friend and they're all kind of raising the monkey yeah. using yeah. different forms of, of training i want to stop here really quickly because we're not going to come back to it um there's an incredible shot in this movie to give uh rupert wyatt uh some some credit um the there's an incredible shot of demonstrating caesar's increased intelligence as he s- swings down through the attic door oh, yeah. through the house he jumps through the kitchen he's not making a mess of things like you would expect from a chimp yeah however he is like kind of like rattling around the house and they've made some adjustments for him around the house because yeah. he is like a kid yeah. and it's like playful, but you can sense, get the sense of intelligence that he's like following the rules that have been given to him. However, he's still a monkey, right? He's still a monkey uh, and just a, a kid. Yes, a kid. And and I want to note something really quickly as we're transitioning to the like the, the, the prison break half of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, you usually can't coexist with chimps after they reach full adulthood. Yeah. They become more temperamental. They become more possessive. Um, their strength so outwits you that, like, yeah. them just having a mild temper tra- tantrum will destroy your entire house. Yeah, right? which is what Frida Pinto keeps saying. Even though she's been involved for years, she's like, hey, this is turning less into, like, your fun monkey kid and more like yeah. a potential danger for the neighborhood. There's an amazing Radio Lab series about someone who tried to live with a chimp even beyond the age where like zookeepers were like, "Don't do this." Um, amazing series. It's heartbreaking. Like they kind of treated the ape like a child. The ape tried so fucking hard to be a human and just didn't work out. I would recommend that. Uh, but the um, just in the interest of time. But Caesar is maturing. He's getting more rebellious. 
but not like I'm gonna smash everything rebellious, but just sort just of like let me I'm out. Go, I'm gonna go jump out of the house and go try and play with kids because that's the the closest corollary I have. Um, and his intelligent intelligent and increased intelligence does not p- permit that he is permanently uh, domesticated. No. Uh, because that's not, that doesn't mean anything for children either, right? Like, yeah. Just or you people. become a teenager. Because yeah. when you're a teenager, you become actually very rebellious because yeah. your intelligence is like, I need to go figure out more about the fucking world around me. Yeah. But with apes, we expect perfect, rigid performance or cages. Yeah. That's it. Yep. One of the Gr- great point. Um, and that's actually like Brian Cox, like he seems more evil and intimidating, I think, as a succession. He actually is not all that evil. In no. this movie, his son Tom, is his son is Tom Felton, who likes you know abusing the apes, and that's a a big part of it. But he says that same thing. He's like, "This is a wild animal. Like this wild animal should not be hanging around San Francisco. Like, I you're you're the hundredth wacko I've dealt with that we've had to take an ape from. We're not hurting them. I mean, they are hurting them, but that's Tom Felton's fault, or just the idea of like hurting them in a zoo in general. But um, but but. But yeah, the other thing that happens is, like I said, John Lithgow starts to degrade. And what they decide is, uh, so he shows, uh, he does show his results. He finally shows like, hey, my dad, uh, you told me to stop doing this. My dad, I've been using him as a test subject. Look at these test results. And uh, there's an immediate change of dynamic. And they're like, oh, never mind. Let's put all of our eggs into this basket because this is amazing technology. Like your dad improved. He became back to his pre-dementia Alzheimer's state. But James Franco's like, but there's a problem. Like, eventually, the the serum produces brain cells, but eventually the the dementia or the Alzheimer's, I think it's Alzheimer's, uh, it speeds up so fast that the, the new brain cells can't keep up with it. And so, like, it's a temporary cure, even if the temporary cure was, like, five years. Like, eventually, it's going to lose that race. So they're like, how do because we... it's a it's a disease. It's not a uh, vaccine. It's a um, yeah it's a it, disease it, that's yeah yeah yeah. It's degenerative, and eventually the regeneration of the serum that he put together is outpaced by the ge- degeneration. Um, they call it a race. How do we? So how do we get it to win the race? Well, what replicates really quick viruses? So they take the serum and they inject that into a. They merge that with a virus. And they start getting a whole new group of chimps that we find out later is supplied by the same ape sanctuary to start testing on. The first one is Koba, who is like, I like that. <laughs> I like that they're like, yeah, well, they're all just monkeys, but this one, this guy looks pretty evil. <laughs> this guy's an evil-looking monkey. Is he's he evil kind of though? Ba- he's kind of the bad boy of chimps. He's like, is he evil though? Yeah. I mean, like, don't judge an ape by its cover, but like this, this one's a bad ape. But but the In entire this movie, point yeah. of that is because he has facial scars. He um he has uh, more uh, more uh, trauma visible on him. The entire point is that the reason that he's so poorly behaved is because he has he's been, been abused, horrifically right? yeah. abused as a yeah. lab animal for years, which becomes the entire central dilemma of, of the of the next one. Again, yeah. getting back to the point I was making, like. These are kind of hippie. These are kind of hippy dippy, yeah. big big budget movies. As much as you can do that, right? Because yeah. they're about like, can we solve the traumas of the past without just seeking out endless revenge? Yep, a hundred percent. So they on the first test, there's a leak in the virus thing. 
Tyler Labine breathes breathes it in. They go about their stuff. This the the gas that is combining the serum with the virus works. Koba gets smart immediately. Everyone's really excited. Meanwhile, now you're going to spend the next hour of this movie in these little things of Tyler Labine coughing up blood, getting sicker, seeming to pass it on to more and more people. Yeah. Again, this is not contagion. The, that doesn't take over the rest of the movie. It's just also happening. Like there were t- the, the rest of the movie is so compelling. You're like he coughs into someone like the uh, James Franco's neighbor. And then like 20 minutes later, James Franco's neighbor coughs. And you're like, oh, shit, that's right. Is this how they're going to like it is so good at constantly sneaking up on you that like, oh, yeah, there's an apocalypse coming. You think it's a B plot for this movie. It's actually like a plot for the human race. <laughs> yeah. It's and Tyler Labine like eventually is just found dead and they're like, oh shit. That guy's dead. Whoops. <laughs> Whoops. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so yeah, I want to jump back to yeah. something you said earlier. The getting the resources to get the patent thing, it's all a fucking waste of time. Yeah. The fact that like James Franco gets degraded in the company or demoted in the company. Well, because he doesn't want to so, do like, it. He's like, he's like, hey, we're we're moving too fast. I'm worried about this. Like also, I don't want to sound like a fucking, I don't want to sound like a, a, a COVID denier or anything, but the FDA is actually really forgiving to companies. Eight years yeah. is an enormous amount of time for the FDA. You yeah. probably, you might have had two presidential administrations <laughs> pass in eight years. Like, the FDA doesn't give a shit. Well, the other they'll thing is on. that. They'll the, just do tests again. They don't care. The other thing is that the tests don't move quick enough and John Lithgow dies. Yes. So that's and, well. No, 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 no. That's not it. He is. He is the first person to die of V two of the thing. Is he of the? Yeah, he's. he's I thought patient. Tyler Labine is patient zero. Pa- Sorry, Tyler Labine is the first person to be infected, but like John Lithgow gets V two first. Oh, okay. I guess I must have missed that. I so thought. Wait, hold on. I thought he just, so, like, he didn't... I don't think that he got the virus. I think he dies of the virus. I don't think so. I think that's the whole Tyler Labine thing. I think he just eventually, like, the degradation is so is so rapid at that point because it's it's been artificially propped up by this other thing that he eventually just dies. It's it's possible when I watched it at this time, like the um the the movie the the movie movie like language seemed to imply that he was like, oh, V two kills people. I it and does. then Tyler Labine dies after that. Okay, yeah, may, I mean, I could be wrong. I'll also note that one of the disadvantages of watching these movies with an eight-year-old is that you get asked about everything that's happening on the screen as it's as it's happening. So sometimes that you can need be... to come up with quick answers so you can keep fucking moving, right? I mean, the amount of times <laughs> I have to say nicely, like, so the reason I know this information is because it's ha- they're explaining it right now on screen. <laughs> If you could just stop turning to me to ask and just listen to what happens next in the movie, it'd be very convenient for all of us. You have no idea how many conversations that tweet caused in my household. The one where um, someone's like, I was at the movie theater. Yeah. And uh, the I, and thing I watched one. a couple. Have you, have, you, have you ever seen a movie before? Why Why is she Why is she shooting at the dog? Yeah. Uh, have you ever seen a movie before? <laughs> the movie will continue and it will reveal information about itself. Yeah, I know. It's. I mean, it is true. It's ter- like it's true, but it's the meanest fucking thing. It, it's you very can say to mean, somebody. but like an eight year old will do. Will talk over the scene that they're explaining the question that she has to ask me to explain it as it's happening, and it's like just, it, that's what's happening right now. Like just look, look, don't look at me. Look at Listen, me. I ain't no. Hollywood I didn't write the script. script. <laughs> like, I ain't no fancy Hollywood screenwriter. Yeah, just, Let a. Uh, 
let the but silver screen explain it yourself. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so regardless, so I may have missed it, but I, I think that he just like the degeneration yeah. was so fast. But anyways, regardless, so, but that, but that makes James that, that makes intense. that that makes James Franco go like, look. I mean, a little bit selfishly, if I'm being honest. He's like, now that I got no skin in the game, let's slow down and take science seriously. But he is, I mean, he's right then, but uh, his intentions seem a little bit perplexing. Uh, So let's go back, but let's, the rest of this movie is essentially, like, spent at the zoo. So Caesar is a prison break movie. Yeah, it, it becomes a prison break movie with no one trusting the newest prisoner. So he... So Caesar is like he's first he's drawing a picture of the window he used to look out of. He really wants to get out of there. He's not really ingraining himself into into the system at all. And he's getting the shit kicked out of him by the leader of the uh, chips. Um, And no one's really doing anything. And then Tom Felton is like drunkenly harassing him as like an ape that stands differently and just seems a little bit smarter. Now, at this point, he can has sign language and he's smart. He's actually going to get smarter here before the end of the movie. Um, but eventually, James Franco comes back and visits him and doesn't can't take him back. He just was there for a visit. But obviously, C- Caesar takes that as like a personal attack that he essentially doesn't get over. He erases the window off the screen and starts focusing less on being saved by humans and feeling like he's been betrayed. I've been left behind. The human even came back and didn't take me with. I'm done with humans. I am going to start, you know, knowing that I'm smarter than most of these other apes, start uh, becoming the leader of this group and getting the fuck out of here to go to my Redwoods. So he also figures out that um, the the lab that he knew that James Franco worked at is has like boxes all around because they've been supplying chimps. So he breaks out one night. And he goes and into the lab, and that's where he sees Koba and the tests that they're doing on the apes there. And he steals some of the gas canisters. And he essentially uses that to make all the other apes smart. And Maurice and Orangutan he's already been talking to because Maurice also knows sign language. But he basically makes friends with a gorilla that lives in the middle of the compound. Rocket, I believe the gorilla's name is. Is that right? Or is Rocket the other chimp? Rocket is in the is in Dawn and is just a chip. What's the do we know the gorilla's name? Uh Magilla? A <laughs> uh, Buck. It's good it's a good good uh, gorilla name. Just name it after another animal. <laughs> buck likes to fuck. Um, <laughs> but but Buck can't fuck because he's all alone in his cage. Yeah, Buck Buck will hurt you. <laughs> so he like he basically there's a great scene where he like is like, hey, I have a plan to get out of here. And makes Buck on his side and then takes the the kind of asshole leader of the chimps and basically throws him in the middle and lets Buck loose on him. And, and he does this thing that's going to be prevalent towards the rest of the movie, which is he holds out his hand and stands straight over a chimp. And the, the chimp bows his head and, and scrapes his hand, showing that they respect Caesar's dominance. But then he also gets everyone smart. He, he basically takes the gas canisters like fucking smoke bombs and rolls them rolls them across the the chimp compound and so now there's these great scenes of like all the chimps standing around and kind of communicating plans to each other while the guards tom felton is like those chimps don't seem to be acting like chimps they're all sitting in a huddle and like great creepy scenes of like what the fuck is happening and then when they notice he's watching they're like go back to being like ooh, 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 you know 
all that kind of stuff. Um, uh, another theme that'll come back in Dawn is them being like, oh shit, be monkeys. Oh yeah. Uh, uh, the Dawn one is so goddamn good. We'll talk about it. The Dawn that. one still makes gives me shivers. It's so creepy. Um, it's so like but they perfect. do some really good shit within Dawn. Yeah. In uh, Rise. They do yeah. some good shit in Rise too. So eventually they are like staging their prison break. Meanwhile, Tom uh, James Franco has come back and given money to Brian Cox to let him take his chimp, and he's like, fine. And Caesar's like, no, I don't want anything to do with you this is my you left me here to, to rot this is my home now chimp apes are my people want nothing to do with you um uh, which is hard it's a heartbreaking scene because like caesar at that point doesn't quite understand why the james franco has been like he's a smart chimp but he doesn't understand that he's been you know filing court orders to try to get him back based on a legal system that exists um yeah and so he but he feels betrayed and so he's like, I'm going to go live with these chimps, makes them all smart. They eventually take Tom Felton and start fucking with him, basically. They get him trapped in the middle. They, they're getting his revenge on their torture before they do their their breakout. And uh, a scene that still feels like I wanted to stand up and cheer in the theaters when I saw it. Um, I feel this way when I see it every single time. I actually think it may be like... A long time ago, AFI did when they ran out of like lists like comedies and thrills and stuff like that. They did like a hundred years, a hundred cheers, which was like movies that have a moment that make you want to leap out of your seat and go, yeah, like, fuck yeah, holy shit. Like, I think that in the last like 15 years, that scene of Tom Felton finally like going, you know, like I think he says, get get your hands off me, you damn dirty ape, which is kind of eye rolling, but followed up it's with a Caesar. mirror of they, yeah. they do it in these movies all the time. Which it's is which that part is fine, but Caesar with that guttural talking and yelling no. No it's, it's so good. Both of these, mm-hmm. both this and Dawn and maybe War, uses the first time apes speak to such an amazing effect. And the fact that this happens 90 minutes into this movie, that you almost forget, again, because it's doing this prequel thing so well, you almost forget that this is a movie that is going to lead to a world of talking apes. Yes. And it's so good. And um, because uh, the, 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 the language is specifically used... the. There's a lot of complex language shit going on here, but one of which is that um, even though the apes um, have increased intelligence to the point that they can understand the English language, um, the English language is used the way that apes use vocalization, which is the way dogs use vocalization, which is it's communicating um, pain, stress, threats. Primarily threats. Like, they're using vocalization the way that humans will understand, which is like, fuck off. Yeah. Um, and Caesar being able to talk and use and form full sentences eventually becomes sort of a complexity of his character. But at first he's like, we have a sign language system between ourselves yeah. um, that we can communicate higher levels of, of communication or more complex levels of communication yeah. via the sign language system. We don't need, like human english as much yeah which they um, don't they don't use all the time like they in in dawn they use, they use, ASL they use basically language, entirely yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah which is which is which is a, a really cool point uh i would love the perspective i, I didn't even think about it i love the perspective of somebody who um can actually like i'd love to look up and seek out the perspectives of somebody who speaks asl and being like 
wow, like they really fucked this up or wow, it was incredible to see this and screen like some, some sort of reactions, um, would be really cool. But yeah, they're, they're, they're using, they're using human language the way that animals use human language. Um, which is like, it's just communicating like basic, like, like fuck off or like, okay, you can come closer or like, uh, oh, I'm scared or nervous. Like, yeah, it's, it, it's really cool. Yeah, it is. It's, it's great. Uh, that moment is amazing, especially with just the silence that runs through both the apes and Tom Felton as they like recognize that Caesar has spoken. Like, this isn't just a smart ape. This is an ape who's now yelled no in someone's face. Uh, and again, part of the reason he did evolve that, which everyone will eventually too, is because he gassed everyone. So he already had it in his thing, but he, he got the supercharged virus that too. Yes. You have to, you have to have, um, it's a genetic thing that can be passed down. However, you have to be in, infected with it during your lifetime to receive the benefit or the, you know, the change in yourself. Um, this does imply though, that the next generation of ape had to do a lot of fucking with a lot of really dumb apes. <laughs> a lot of himbos and bimbos. <laughs> unless they had unless they had a lot of access to that. But it's gas. It, they they had to be like they had to be like, I've got no way to talk to you because you're so fucking stupid, but that booty is insane. Can you please take a hit of this gas? So that we <laughs> just have a normal night out. Um, yeah, like did Caesar have to did Caesar have to like be like I don't know how to communicate consent with you. <laughs> I I do think like the diff. So when everyone gets the gas, they all get you know intelligent, which is why a lot of these same characters ten years later in Dawn are now you know have the same level of communication understanding. The difference I think is is that Caesar had the perspective of being very intelligent from a young age, and so even though he did get more intelligent with the supercharged virus version of the serum. His perspective was always one of like a little bit more insightful, pathetic, understanding how the world works. And you have like people like Koba and a lot of these other apes who essentially had to go through some form of like violent awakening into having all the complex thoughts and feelings of of uh, intel that intelligence brings without the long-term way to deal with that. So Koba is a really great example that, like you said, we'll cover in the next movie. He now recognizes, like, he obviously, as an animal, didn't like getting abused and hated all the different things that happened to him. But that idea of having, like, literally, like, bloodlust to kill anyone that resembles is coming from intelligence looking back on a traumatic life to that point and, and at what hands it was. You're, you're, you're completely right. And, uh, Caesar was able to come into his intelligence and he believed for a portion of his life that he was just a member of the family. It didn't, he didn't quite have to have some sort of existential despair. Um, well, and that he, from and, the beginning, what am I, where do I fit? Like he's dealing with some of these complex questions, not suddenly almost through like a Genesis tree of knowledge type situation, but like gradually as he, as he grew. Yeah, and, and it begins to ask a question. It pointed towards the second movie. Who's Cain's? Who's Abel's? Which is like... It, it, I mean, a little bit. It, it, yeah, yeah. And, and, and yeah, and, and is is Caesar's, is Caesar's allegiances being torn between the man world and the human world? Is that good for him? Like, do, do, should the fact that he gives people the benefit of the doubt time and time again, like, is that something that's 
that's a, a, a trait that's that's worthy in him or is Koba kind of right Koba's obviously like a villain in the second movie but like is Koba kind of right like yeah don't fucking trust these people they will continually yeah. betray you um and so this movie is very much about caesar being mm-hmm. like who are my people and the next movie is continuing that character arc which is just like what fucking what fucking big blockbuster movies are about like the it's character so, it's arc so of it's a so chimp uh, and i think 20 years from now people will be like the the cgi is a little iffy but people will be like andy circus's yeah. ability to communicate the eight the the um uh character yeah. growth of caesar is is it's gonna be yeah. something people are talking i, I, about I agree 100 um this really is like his like masterpiece of like cgi creation i and and for what's worth like this movie was a hit both financially and from a critical perspective like i think our reaction to wait holy shit the planet of the apes prequel movie is good was actually pretty universal and as well as calling out andy circus's like pretty amazing portrayal here like he got a lot of credit for making like you know obviously Gollum. this is more challenging to do i think for a, for a, from a lot for a lot of different Gollum is Gollum is is obviously incredibly impressive, and you can say the Lord of the Rings are a bigger cinematic achievement. Like I, I don't, you know, that's a, that's irrelevant. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to particularly take that 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 up right now. What I will say is that Gollum is half of the complexity of a character that um caesar is and he barely he doesn't get to say anything like there's just just scenes of him like just sitting in his cage and you can in a in a cgi overlay of an actor's face says like is just incredible facial empathetic emotive acting i mean that's incredibly impressive yeah and you um and both these movies are sorry both the original lord of the rings movies as well as the apes movies are using uh weta technology motion capture technology and cgi technology the new zealand um film production company uh digital uh effects company andy circus um obviously peter jackson's old buddy like you know the lord of the rings blew him up um it's very important to note that when they made lord of the rings the technology was incredibly more primitive than it was then by the time that this movie came out and they had to capture sometimes they were capturing andy circus's uh inflections just being like i really like the angle of his smile and that's all they would take by the time this movie came out and even more so by the time dawn came out and by the time war came out they are capturing like such subtle delicacies of what a smile is and then mapping it onto a cg because obviously a skulls are different than ours um, i mean i'll look it up at mapping it onto a yeah <laughs> onto an ape you have to you have to look yeah. up the sfx rails for this shit we'll talk about more in the, in the next episode but like you have to look up that shit and understand that like by the time they made this movie they are capturing so much more of what is andy circus's performance in a yeah in a true sense like yeah it's it's insane, and you watch the movie, and then and then you see the car- the ca- the actors that played the, the 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 apes in these movies, and you're like, "Holy shit!" Yeah, that's that's a human in yeah, there. Yeah, I mean, it, the whole thing is impressive, but it also just speaks to like, I mean, that's a lot of work, right? Like the 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 reason why people go, "Hey, why does Lord of the Rings or even like the original Jurassic Park or this looks look generally so good?" Is because like it's easier to not do any of these things and figure like 
will still make a lot of money. And like those are all movies that like use yes. their CGI and 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 with like a level of artistry and care that that made people say like this movie doesn't work if you think of 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 Caesar as a computer creation. Like you have to think of it as a real monkey and and uh besides a few like uncanny yeah. valley moments it 100% succeeds. And I'll talk about this in Dawn, but my my take is with this the same way that my take is with most of these movies when they're doing close-ups and slow character moments, it really works. When they're yeah. doing like broader animation techniques and and creatures moving through objects that's when it gets really just like oh you just have a wireframe of what? dots <laughs> like yeah that's all you're and how right close now. up you are um, and, and how and much they're you interacting see that a lot with in humans is where it happens like i think like when they're going across the golden gate bridge which we'll get to for a second that looks really good because like that but anyways great. yeah so that's what happened and obviously that's the the way these the way they make these movies also. It's like sometimes they spend money in certain yeah. sequences, they don't spend in others. But my rule of thumb generally is like close up intimate sequences in these movies are all pretty great. Like you get some uncanniness, yep. but it's all pretty great. Sometimes when it's like the apes bounding around, you're like, that's just <laughs> dots. Or like, yeah, when it's like here, they're grabbing him and he's wiggling, it's like that's that's just a piece of slush. <laughs> Nothing else. Uh anyway, so yeah, they yeah. They yell no at Tom Felton. They fuck him up pretty good, I would say. They, like, spray him with water and electrocute him to death. It's very satisfying. I think, I don't know if this is, like, the the Trump error, but, like, I, I am much more like, yeah, fuck that guy. I'm glad he got electrocuted by those apes. Also, Tom Felton is one of the people who, um, like Daniel Radcliffe, has come out and yeah, said... Yeah, I, I just oh, want to be clear. I'm not saying so I think Tom I'm Felton should Tom die. I'm saying I, that in the his character yeah. in the movie, when he gets sprayed with a hose like he used to do to the chimps and then electrocuted, or he, and then he, I think he puts on his electric. So it's even like uh, you do this to yourself by trying to hurt the chimps. This is a uh, it, they're they're doing something that I gen they're doing something I generally hate in these movies, but I give this movie Good. the the benefit because I love Caesar so much. I don't like in movies when they have characters die accidental deaths because accidents have no yeah. inherent meaning to me. Well, I think the choice is that a chimp had a fucking hose and he was carrying an electrified staff because he's a big dumb bully. It's his choice. <laughs> yeah, but did did James Franco give did James Franco uh give uh give uh Caesar a uh <laughs> home electrical safety <laughs> lesson? All right, so when you're putting the outlet in this room, I need you to have the grounding face this way. <laughs> so you're saying you would have liked Caesar to be more directly culpable. I, I am I am merely saying that I like choices more than accidents when I'm making when I'm uh, for yeah. dramatic impact. However, yes, that is that is uh uh the no moment is so so, so powerful. Uh but yeah. Let's get, let's get to the Golden Gate yeah, Bridge. So they break out and they go to the Golden Gate Bridge because they're trying to get across it to get to the Redwoods. Uh, and even there's like a part of me, you're so sucked up of it. And there's a part of it that's like, okay, how are these fucking apes taking over the world? Uh, <laughs> the, the, there's 20 minutes left of this movie. I don't, I don't quite understand how this is going to happen. But they don't. The whole thing is that they, you know, there's this uh, great like... Um, the military comes. They try to stop the apes. There's great scenes of them. All the times that they portray the apes as like a wave of just bouncing and jumping and uh, how many of them there are. It's so great. They also go to the lab and break out all those. 
apes as well. So Koba and the other super intelligence apes that have been tested on. So there's, there's, you know, hundreds and hundreds of them. And they're just trying to get across this bridge. And they have a confrontation with the military. They, like, they win because they're, they have these great little techniques. They beat the shit out of everyone. Uh, James Franco's there to try to save the day, but they don't really need it. Again, it's a good in a movie in a movies in a movie era that still goes on to this day. That is based on like these major CGI set pieces. This ten minute minor skirmish on the Golden Gate Bridge that is really effective is like so much better than just like a never ending series of all these movies actually use their CGI uh, battle set pieces. Well, but this was like very refreshing. Like it's not, it's not even like a fight. They're just trying to get across the goddamn bridge and they're trying to see the military shooting at them a little. They basically get past. So this is, this is a very reserved blockbuster, which is another reason I like it. Um, a lot of blockbusters try and take you to the point of exhaustion. Um, they're this, tantric blockbusters. Uh, it doesn't... This yeah, one just lets you come. Just let me come and go about it. <laughs> um, this doesn't have three climaxes, no. like, it with five to ten different yeah. battles spread over it. It's, like, two climaxes, right? It's, like, break out of the prison, get across the Golden Brave Bridge. That's it. And <clears throat> and um, there's little... There's a little... Uh, literally, like, a... a Sorry, non-literally a bridge sequence where they're like throwing um, spears through cop cars, which is very satisfying. Um, the re- resolution is rad. It's not that deadly, which I kind yeah. of find interesting. Like Caesar has good control over the apes. Like it is, like you said, it's about escape. It's not about murdering every man on the planet. Um, it's mostly like property destruction, especially cop cars. Um, there's an amazing shot in this movie. Oh, and this is a movie. The helicopter. Like, you, oh, I'm I'm sorry. This is okay. earlier. Do you know what I'm you're talking about with the the neighborhood street? There's a uh, oak of elms. Oh yeah, I know. I do. And the, yeah, and they just the way they're swinging through. Yeah, and they see they see leaves oh, falling yeah. off at the far end I'm of the street. Glad you called that out. So and good. you're just like, what is? Yeah. What is that? And as the leaves get closer, you're starting hearing movement in the trees, and it's it's a violent yeah. rustling. And then people in the neighborhood like they're not being harmed they're just sort of like oh my god they're apes yeah. above us and they're crawling yeah. through and rape, ripping yeah. through the trees and it's it's an incredible it's like an cr- incredibly memorable awesome yeah. blockbuster shot the sort of thing that like is is these movies in, in contrast where like the human the apes are coming through the human mm-hmm. world the human world uses trees as decoration yeah. and that's a great um, great call we're like oh yeah we have we have trees on these easements on the street side in these neighborhoods. And they're nicely organized. And then the apes just fucking barrel through and leaves are falling and covering the entire street because they're fucking bounding through. And they're like 200 pound animals, 300 pound yeah. animals. And they they take they take over the whole thing. And it's, it's an amazing shot because it is visually without any dialogue except for humans being like, what's going on? Um, Those two dumb kids like look up the, at it, right? Like the two kids that Caesar like. <laughs> got arrested for capturing the pope yeah. yes exactly capturing the poetic value well those kids will be dead soon um capturing the i don't want them to be value. dead that's just the nature of the virus that james franco yeah um and then when you get to the battle yeah. um the the apes could you you kind of they kind of explain how the apes could win a yeah battle against helicopters yeah. which is the thing you were referring to helicopters and 
um, tanks and cop cars and machine guns. They explain how apes using some level of intelligence without any automatic weapons in their hands could could win this Yeah, because they're swinging under the, the bridge. They're, I mean, they're like, just no one's expecting ape battle tactics like i don't they're using they're they're using angles that you didn't expect like the scene where they they dump the 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 bus over horizontally and then push it forward um but the best sequence is david uh um who is in this movie after maybe maybe he fires he fires james franco most underrated and then he (laughs) hires him back and then he's like don't you want money that's basically it He's the next to, next to David Cutter of Brian Cox. He is the most overqualified. Um, he played. I mean, he fucking played Martin Luther King Jr. Like four years later, <laughs> he's in this movie for five minutes, and he's like, he's like, I really like making money, <laughs> James Franco. I really like making money. Anyways, there's a sequence where he is in a helicopter. Oh. The helicopter, the helicopter crashes, and then um, Caesar gives a fellow ape. The opportunity, the opportunity for revenge against his captors, his abusers, and it is it. it this movie is full of oh fuck yeah, yeah moments, and that is to me as good as as no yeah. agreed. So good. Uh, although it, Koba uh, once he tastes revenge, can't be sated. Talk about that next time. Uh, well, yeah, I mean you you don't just do revenge yeah. once. I mean it's still fun. Like, yeah. get a good revenge in as often as you can. Uh, so, yeah, they go, they, but they get past. They go to the Redwoods. James Franco runs. Uh, it's like to say goodbye. And the, the other monkeys are about to fuck him up. And he's like, no. Remember, I can say no. No, one more time. This is my buddy. And he starts talking to him. And, Check this trick and out, James, man. Yeah, no. <laughs> James Franco is like, oh, this guy can talk now? I guess he's going to be okay. He's, I mean... <laughs> he's pretty surprised uh, and excited, and he just explains, like, apes are, you know, he just is like, apes, home, love, goodbye. Yeah. Like, you know, one word stuff. It's so it's, it's, it's so touching. It's, it's really so touching. touching. I did not expect a moment between James Franco and Ape Circus to be <laughs> yeah, so it's, touching. It's great. Considering, yeah, it's really touching. This movie. But they go off to the Redwoods. Uh I mean, that's... But what's amazing about this is, like, can you think of another blockbuster that at the end of the movie, the main character doesn't die. The movie is just like, you're no longer relevant. Yep. And just put, gently pushes them away. Yeah, I wish society had done that to James Franco, but it hasn't yet. But I agree. It's just like, okay, well, no, you're not going to live with the apes. So no, cool. I'm not coming back to live with you again. You abandoned me in the zoo. We've talked about this. I'm done with apes. Uh, and then there's uh, credits that start playing. Um... And it cuts to a guy, a pilot, who had interacted with the neighbor who was coughing. And you're like, oh, yeah, there's a virus that's getting loose. And the pilot is, like, coughing up blood, puts on his pilot hat, gets on his plane. And then you just kind of show all his destinations, like, on a map, like, Indiana Jones-style map. And then it shows, like, the vi- it shows like a spider web of people getting sick. And, like, that's... That's over the end credits. It's just like, hey, you know that virus, uh, and it, so so it somehow merges those things where like it has these amazing climactic moments, and then is like in a way that both like thematically works and ties into the apes in this really fascinating way, 
and is going to lead, as you said, to, like, the other movie where, like, that's actually how um, you, you joked about, like, well, how do you get the other apes strong? Well, this virus actually is good for apes and bad for humans. So when any of the apes came in contact with this virus that was rapidly spread, spreading through the globe and killing people, they got smart is what I think Dawn is sort of saying. So, like, it actually, it, it kills most humans and it raises up most most apes at the exact same time. Um, and then, yeah, that's, what's funny is, like, if, if they never made a sequel, if this movie wasn't a success, that would also be a satisfying little movie. Like, oh, okay, that's how you got the Planet of the Apes eventually. Uh, and might we note, um, this movie is literally, it's kind of a remake or sorry, it's kind of a reboot, but it's also kind of just a prequel because they literally show the Icarus taking off. Oh yeah, um, for a manned flight to Mars, which I've seen this movie a couple times before, but for some reason I had never connected. So my my take in looking at interviews, especially doing some research on Dawn specifically, is that they positioned it as a prequel, and then when they went to make a sequel to it, they were a little bit more like, "Oh, Rise is a reboot." With a thematic reboot. So I do think they hedged their bets a little bit on um, – because I remember when Rise came out of being described as a prequel. And then later on they're like, no, nah, no, nah, it's not a prequel to the Charles and Aston movie. It's its, it's, its own re, rebooted thing. But that makes sense because then they wanted to go into different – different directions yeah and 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 i want to i want to really quickly just touch on something before we we kind of close out um the series does some very interesting things with the formula because obviously in this one they're like kind of more literal apes than sort of like humanoid apes that are kind of hybrids that have evolved it is cool that they do the like caesar's doing the when they all start following caesar caesar walks upright which and he kind of yes. and he, he pops, pops out, out his, out his chest, chest. He walks more like people, which is what the apes do in the original Planet of the Apes. And like, yes, as the apes start following, they start. There's that great scene in the zoo where they all puff up their chest and start walking like Caesar, as opposed to like how chimpanzees walk. Yes, it's it, great. There's scene. there's a lot of really beautiful sort of physical movement things that exhibit a love for the series, but also just sort of like hey, we're kind of striking out. We're trying to interpret the story in our yep. own way. Um, and our own way is about a, a fight of man versus nature. <clears throat> um, a, a fight of like, what if man had a competitor for the earth? Um, there's there's thematic power to a lot of this stuff that is separate from just like, hey, what if a, what if a earth got weird? <laughs> um, which I love the original movies quite a bit. I would probably rate, you know... Um, like, I would probably intermix this this series and the original. It's just series very, of like, very know, class. different things. Yes. Like, and as much um, as I love the original Planet of the Apes, like that is a movie where the vast majority of its power, and I think it's even just the memory we have on it, is based on the ending. Right? It feels yes. shocking. It feels surprising. It's one of the best, you know, Rod Sterling pen twist endings of any movie ever. But, like, Kevin, I, I do really like the Planet of the Apes movies. There's also, like, 30 minutes of just Charlton Heston just wandering through a desert for a while and then seeing apes. And, like, like without that ending, it's just kind of a goofy, like, hey, why was there apes on that planet? <laughs> like, and, like, it, yeah, it's a fun 60s, yeah. but it's not, 
I don't think it rises above like Planet of the Vampires, another movie that I really like, like from a status perspective. It's the ending that does. The Statue of Liberty is an iconic scene. I, I think that these movies are actually Eclipse, the original series, and I love all five of them. Yeah, yeah. And I I think what what this series Minus really does that, that like you know if, <laughs> what the series the series shoots very few yeah, just the one time almost none rated G um on the grand scale of shot babies this series yeah. the entire there's there's what nine sorry ten uh, of these I movies think, nine I think there's of them? nine there's soon to be ten yeah there's soon to be ten um the entire series shoots less babies than the one movie come and see yeah. the come and see um uh cinematic universe has way more shot babies yeah. than the, oh the yeah Apes universe to, 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 average both have movie. not but both do not have both zero, don't have zero. <laughs> um so my my point here is um this what this is kind of doing in in a, in a way to like i i when i first saw this series uh was being rebooted i thought it was stupid um if i saw it was being rebooted right now i would be incredibly cynical especially given the director behind it um and then the writer just everybody behind it i would be yeah. incredibly cynical um the what they're doing here is they're trying to say something about humanity by drawing a parallel contrast with saying what if we had a competitor for the the planet of the the, the surface of the planet what the if planet we had a, a of the competitor. people we say what if apes were risen to the level of intelligence that humans have on the type of intelligence that we have. Because obviously there's many, many types of intelligence. Apes were not involved to have the type of intelligence. Book yeah, smarts. they were not involved to have have uh, book smarts. They only, have, they only have street smarts. Yeah. They could tell you how to get to Carnegie. I mean, they had jungle uh-huh. smarts. <laughs> Which is they my favorite Morse smarts. Day in the Time song. <laughs> um... But similar to a zombie movie, like this, this is like the this series very much loves to do the, is it a human or is it the big monster kind of of thematic touch, um, which is always very compelling to me because what you're doing by drawing contrast is you're drawing perspective, right? Like um, when you're you're letting it's a similar thing to the Frankenstein stories, like by creating something that's not quite human but has a lot of characteristics of a human yeah. uh, robot stories android stories cyborg, cyborg stories you're drawing something that's it's basically saying like hey what is what what are we yeah if this isn't us then what are we mm-hmm. um and and this this series is um is really really good at, at drawing drawing that out and then when it kind of like throws those stories away it asks different questions in the in the future movies yeah. so um, we'll get there. Yeah, Aaron, do you have any final thoughts? No, uh, just I, I truly think like for as a unique object of even like post two thousands blockbuster movies, like this remains unique. It remains unique in the series, but like it is, it is so focused on small stories and uh, human or and characterization and empathy and these bonds between individual characters, and it zooms in and spends almost all of its time there um it's an under two hour movie i mean again the 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 one big cgi action scene is 10 minutes and it's just an escape to some trees so that they can be safe and live their society it is uh it still holds up fantastically well it was a amazing surprise to discover in 
2011 when I just happened to stumble into the movie theater to watch it. And yeah, it, it ended up producing a series that is fantastic that we're going to be talking more about very soon. Yeah. Next week. Uh, oh, yeah. Next week. Dawn. Uh, and then, which other people said is kind of the same as Rise, which I think is kind of true. But yeah, Dawn of the Earth. Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Uh, which is Peter's favorite, which definitely was huge. I didn't realize, like, we'll talk about this next week, but, or, or later this week, because we're, we're behind on releasing these, which is a comment that will only matter for the next couple weeks and will never matter again in the future. I, I didn't realize, like, how much money this movie made. It feels like, like, oh, the Cinephiles blockbuster that made 140 million, like a Pacific Rim. So we made eight, yes. it made $800 million and was, like, yeah. the biggest movie in China the year it came out. Like, and then, and then there was, there was a genuine sort of like question of whether 20th Century Fox could put the money forward for a sequel. Yeah. Insane. Yeah. It's crazy. Uh, all right, we'll talk about that next week. Until then, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Multiplying and they're walking around like flies, man. So I'm no better than the animals sitting in their cages in the zoo, man. Cause compared to the flowers and the birds and the trees, I am an ape, man. I think I'm so educated and I'm so civilized. Cause I'm a strict vegetarian. But with the overpopulation and inflation and starvation and the crazy politicians. To we love to watch. If you made it to the end, hopefully you liked what you heard today. And if you'd like to hear more, please go to patreon.com slash we love to watch. And if you can chip in a few bucks, that would really help us keep the lights on and keep us moving forward. Uh, it wasn't an implicit threat by Peter. He just didn't know how to say it. But either way, we'll continue to make more. But it would be helpful uh, as we explain to our loved ones where all our money is going, which is all on server space. Uh, <laughs> if you can't, <laughs> uh, if you don't have a few bucks to chip in, we totally understand. And you want to support the show. We truly, absolutely would appreciate a uh, review on iTunes. I know every podcast says it, and it's because it really does help. And so every podcast wants that help. So please go leave us a positive review so that when people find this show organically, they hopefully want to tune in and listen. And thanks again for all of your listenership and support and time throughout the years. Uh, We really do appreciate you. Uh, With kisses and smooches, Peter and Aaron. (laughs) 
Mm. <laughs> <laughs>